Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Breaks a tackle. Hey everybody, welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about the delicious, certified, gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store in the freezer or fresh bread aisle or purchase online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon. I know I will. Guys, I am so fired up right now and not just about Canyon Bakehouse breads. It's week zero. In four or five days, we're going to be watching real college football for the first time since January. Uh, I've, uh, I, I don't even know what to say. I'm just so excited. Miami plays Florida on Saturday. Arizona plays Hawaii in the first opportunity for the Pac-12 to really show that it doesn't blow. Uh, I'm really excited for that because I've honestly been just a little bit nervous about that game because, I mean, Arizona should beat Hawaii. Arizona should definitely beat Hawaii. Arizona also has to travel halfway across the Pacific Ocean to play Hawaii. It's going to be hot, which I mean, I guess like Arizona people are used to that. Who knows what the attendance is going to be like. It's on national TV. It's week zero. Nobody's really supposed to be playing college football. It's too soon for that. I mean, I'm not complaining, but it is too soon for that. It's huge. It's so huge for the Pac-12 for Arizona to win that game. They really cannot below that otherwise all the steam is kind of out of the engine before we get to see Oregon play Auburn the next week and before we get to see Colorado play Nebraska the week after you know this it's it's so weird to me that in college football every game is so huge I mean I've said this before but I've followed the Broncos my entire life. I've covered the Broncos, I mean, like, from Montana or, like, down at training camp for BSN for a couple of years now. And so that's what I'm used to, where, you know, the Patriots win the Super Bowl, but but they start the season 2-2 two and two on their way there because you can just do that. For the Pac-12, they can't be blowing any of these early season games. If they want a team in the college football playoff, the Pac-12 needs to return to the top of the conversation in terms of Power 5 conferences. I mean, maybe you don't have to be ahead of, like, you know, the Big Ten or the SEC, but you do need to not be the embarrassment. You know, you, you gotta you gotta show something early on because 
these games are so huge in determining with how these conferences stack up. It's so much easier to say, well, Washington, sure, they lost two, three games, but you have to remember, they played an extra Pac-12 game. They're playing these challenging teams. Like Nobody was going to be able to get out of the Pac-12 with a shiny record because they're just stealing wins from each other. They're handing themselves losses. They're distributing losses throughout the conference itself, so you don't even need outside teams to beat them. That argument only holds water if the Pac-12 comes out and starts the season really hot. And they have a chance to do that in what? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Five days. I think it's 8.30 Mountain Time. Arizona plays Hawaii. Uh, honestly, like Miami, Florida is probably... It's 100%. Not probably. It is 100% the more interesting of the two matchups. But... It's a big week for all of us, even Buffs fans. Not just because we can be excited to watch football, but also because uh, also because it's best for the entire Pac-12 if Arizona gets them off to a hot start. Other big news. So that game is, uh, is Saturday night, August 24th. That's also the same night as the Broncos' preseason game against... I don't know who it's against, but it really doesn't matter if we're being totally honest. It's the preseason. But there will be a watch party for that Bronco game at Blake Street Tavern in downtown Denver. Uh, I think I think that game is a 6 o'clock start, 6.30 start. Um, 7. It's 7. So the watch party is going to be at 7 at Blake Street Tavern on Saturday. And it's technically a Broncos watch party. But I will be there, and I can promise you that we will have some college football on those TVs, and we are going to be watching that more closely than we're watching the Broncos in a meaningless game because there is meaningful football on Saturday, and I, I, it's, it's been far too long. So come out to that. Um, I think I don't know if we've sent out a link to RSVP. I'll have more details tomorrow, but put it in your calendar. Saturday night, we're all meeting up at Blake Street Tavern to watch college football, talk buffs, talk about why Khalil Tate isn't as good as Steven Montez, which I don't know if I buy, but it's the preseason, so we can say things because we haven't seen anything yet, but we will on Saturday. It's going to be a blast. Um, the big news today, obviously, is that the Associated Press dropped their preseason top 25 rankings. Uh... Some bad news there. The Buffs did not make it into the top 25, even though I don't think any of us really expected them to because they aren't good enough to be in the top 25. But there is some interesting Buffs-related stuff in those rankings, and we're going to get to that right now. Here's here's a couple numbers for you. Buffs play six teams that are ranked in the initial top 25, they play three teams who received votes. So, I mean, that's basically like the top 48 teams. That's nine of their 12 games that they play teams who are in the top 50 in the country. At least that's what it looks like now. That's a tough schedule. And there are a lot of ways you can look at that. Um, the best is to say, you know what, if the buffs come out and they finish with I mean, I was talking to Andre Simone, my guy, a little bit ago, and he said, you know, if they win 11 games, they're going to the college football playoff. And that's 100% true. And that's really exciting. 
that's also a stretch. So if they if they can just win seven of these games, eight of these games, all of a sudden they're bursting onto the scene. So they play number 11 Oregon at Oregon. They play number 13 Washington at home. They play number 14 Utah at Utah. They play number 23 Washington State at Washington State. They play number 24 Nebraska at home, in case you hadn't heard about that one. Uh, they play number 25 Stanford also at home. So it's three and three home on the road, um, which is, you know, solid. I don't know. They're, they're differing opinions on that. Like, do you want your your toughest games at home so you have a better chance of winning them? Or do you want to say, eh, we're probably just going to lose those anyway. Let's make sure we win the easier games and have those at home. Don't really have too much to read into here. I guess like their, their road schedule might be a little tougher than their home schedule. I don't know. But that's a gauntlet. Five teams from the Pac-12 in the top 25. You know, that's solid. Uh, if you think of the five Power 5 conferences, they should, in theory, each have five teams. You know, five teams times five top conferences is 25 teams. We had uh, USF snuck up into the top 25. Uh, UCF, sorry. I don't know what I'm talking about. USF is not not in the top 25 at all. But uh, so they're in there. Notre Dame's an independent there and there. Five teams in the top 25. That's solid. They aren't highly ranked. 11, 13, 14, 23, 25. So, you know, it's it's the same thing that's been going on with the Pac-12 for a while now. Basically, USC is not as good as the Pac-12 needs USC to be. USC needs to be in the top 10 competing for playoff like a playoff appearance or expected to be competing just so that the conference is legitimized more um you know because they have the depth it's that's honestly what it is usc is just not good enough let's talk more about usc so i, I can't it's either 46 or 48 teams receive top 25 votes 46 teams receive top 25 votes um USC tied with Arizona with one point. That puts them last. They're tied for 45th and 46th, according to the voters. Yikes. Can you imagine if that had happened 10, 15 years ago? There was no way a coach at USC, probably at any point, what, the last 30 years, would keep his job if the, the, the top 25 preseason poll comes out and USC is 45th in the country. It's just a wild time. And... That was one of the bigger surprises to me. I did not expect them to be ranked that low. I thought that they would be much higher. I mean, if, if they had been in the top 25, I would have said, oh, that's voter bias because it is USC. But if they were just outside the top 25, I would have been like, oh, yeah, kind of makes sense. I don't know that I would have put them there. I think like 35 is a good spot. 30 even might be a good spot. The voters were not high on USC. Put them 45. And there's a lot of interesting potential reasons behind that i mean jt daniels is coming back as quarterback this season for usc he's a sophomore you expect him to make a leap in year two i think that that's reasonable they're installing a new offense with a new offensive coordinator moving to the uh air raid after uh 40, 50 years of pro-style offense? Okay, that might be a stretch, but 
it's it, it it to me that just kind of shows weakness on USC's part. Their whole thing has always been like we recruit the best players. We have the best coaches. We are going to line up, play traditional football, and we're going to beat you playing football that way. And it worked for them for a very long time. But then they fell off, and now they're kind of falling into this gimmicky offense, which, I mean, it, it simplifies things. It's That's why they run it. It's very successful because it is kind of a dink and dunk offense, that air raid that they're going to run. It's going to be one receiver or one running back, four receivers out there. Typically, maybe they move into some 11 personnel with a tight end. But they have this spectacular group of receivers. I mean, Michael Pitt, Pittman, Amira St. Brown. Uh, it's so deep. I mean, you could name seven guys there probably. And these are all either established wide receivers, some of the best in the Pac-12, or they're very, very highly touted recruits. So they have great receivers. It's interesting how they're using them, though. They're not letting those guys win their one-on-one matchups like you normally would in a pro-style offense, a more pro-style offense at least, where, I mean, you're running normal football plays. Now it's all about this Madden offense. And I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but that's basically what the air raid is. It's what you use when you play Madden. It's all those mesh concepts uh, where you're just brushing off guys uh, right next to the line of scrimmage, like running drag routes right next to each other, uh, trying to bump the cornerbacks, let your receiver just run away from the defense, stretch that zone, have these guys sit in little pockets in the zones. It's all these little things. So there's there's like those mesh concepts. There's the four verticals concept where you just say, these guys probably don't have four players deep. One of these guys is going to be open either outside or on a seam. And if they do have four guys up deep, then have these have your receivers stop these routes short and fall in underneath them because it's so hard to guard four receivers each running in their own lane downfield because you can't defend them above them and below them because that would take eight defensive backs and you're only rushing three people. So either they slow up and you catch them down low, you know, maybe they break off the route, maybe it's a comeback route, or they just run past them if they are staying behind the receivers as they're running downfield. It's all these just like little, like maybe a dozen different concepts Every play kind of looks the same for the first second. And then they just run one of those 12 plays and the defense doesn't know which one. And they're all just designed to stretch the defense and take advantage of little weaknesses, generally just a few yards downfield. And I know that we kind of got deep down that road, but for USC, you'd think if you have, I don't know, Amon Ross St. Brown, you have him run and 12-yard dig, he's going to get separation at the top of that route because he's a great receiver. I don't know that you need to rely on all these little gimmicks to get guys open who can get themselves open because they're that talented. And when you do that, you don't need to run out there with four receivers. You can bring in another running back. You can bring in a tight end, two tight ends, and play out of these sets where you can also have more of a threat to run the ball. And you can be big and bulky up front. It's 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 a sign of weakness from USC. That's what I see. They don't think that they just have the talent to 
line up, play traditional football, and have guys win their individual battles and rely on that. And and they're right. They don't. And that's just kind of a sad state for a program. And you guys might be laughing about it because you've been watching USC beat the Buffs for forever. It's interesting to see that that's where the voters put USC, though. I know that this was a bit of a tangent. Tied with Arizona. Arizona State with three points. So, I mean, we say three teams received votes, but they were the last three to receive votes. They were... 44, 45, 46 in the rankings. So it's a very tough schedule for Colorado. I don't have too many complaints. I know you guys probably aren't super excited to see Nebraska in the top 25. They're ranked 24th, by the way. There's a lot of projection on the voters' part saying that in year two of this option offense which they've run traditionally. They switched over that pro-style offense, and now they're coming back to an option offense with Adrian Martinez. I personally love it. I think that they're going to be a very good football team. It's definitely a risk to say that they're going to be that good this year. I don't know that I would. But if I were you, instead of saying Nebraska doesn't deserve to be number 24, I'd say, oh, yeah, this is a good football team and hope the Buffs go out there and beat them week two and catapults themselves up and maybe starts receiving some votes. Maybe steals Arizona or Arizona State's a spot at the bottom of this list. So much potential for this Buffs football team based on the schedule. And, you know, I said earlier that that's how you want to look at it. These are all opportunities to prove to the rest of the country that this is a real football program, that Mel Tucker is building something in Boulder. Other way to look at it is with LaVisca Chenault, Steven Montez, Nate Landman, Mustafa Johnson. I mean, it wouldn't be unrealistic to say this is a team that deserves seven or eight wins. Eh, I mean, that's it's pushing it, but I, I, I wouldn't argue too much with that take. With the schedule, though, it's tough to see where those are going to come from. They're going to need to beat a preseason-ranked top 25 team to get bowl eligibility, probably. I mean, they could go undefeated in the other six games. That's, again, a little unrealistic. So, interesting stuff in this top 25 poll. I feel like we should talk a little bit about things that aren't just the Pac-12. But, you know what? Let's run through it real quick. Here's your top 10. Number one, Clemson. Number two, Alabama. Number three, Georgia. Number four, Oklahoma. Number five, Ohio State number six, LSU, number seven, Michigan, number eight, Florida, number nine, Notre Dame, number 10, Texas. And then we finally, at number 11, get a Pac-12 team in there with Oregon. It's interesting. It's interesting stuff. I mean, because there is that little cluster. And I know I've said that this is kind of a two-tier conference. Um, the voters see it as more of a three-tier conference with uh, – you know, 11 Oregon, 13 Washington, 14 Utah, and then uh, 23 Washington State at this next year, number 25 Stanford. So you have that separation. You know, these guys who are pushing for a top 10 spot, these guys who are pushing for a spot in the rankings. And then I think, so So we see 45, or what is it, 44, 45, 46, Arizona State, Arizona, USC, I'd bet that most of the Pac-12 falls in right around there. Um, if they expanded these rankings, I bet that a lot, like, what is that? We've already had eight of these teams. I bet 
at least two or three are in the next 10 spots from here. Um, so yeah, they see it as kind of a three-tier conference, which I guess is fair. Some interesting stuff. Again, you decide how much stock you want to put in the preseason rankings. You decide how mad you want to be about them. I still honestly haven't decided whether I want to freak out or whether I'm just going to say, eh, it doesn't really matter. It's fun stuff. Fun stuff to talk about. Uh, it's time now to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. I'm headed out to the Broncos preseason game tonight against the 49ers, and so I had to stock up on a bunch of Breck brews. I still had some left from the sampler that I get. I kind of alternate between getting the 15-beer sampler where you get to try, I think it's like five different beers, three of each, but it doesn't have the Strawberry Sky in it, so I usually have to get a six-pack of the Strawberry Sky too, so I end up getting more of that than the rest, which I'm down for because that one's my favorite. I love the Strawberry Sky. But today, I also saw the Colorado Core when I was in King Super. Oh, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be telling you guys where I do my grocery shopping. Maybe we're working on a deal with King Supers or something. But yeah, I was in King Supers going to grab my Strawberry Sky and I saw the Colorado Core, which I'd never seen before. Maybe that's like an older beer and I just don't know what I'm talking about. But excited to try that. Excited to uh, drink a couple beers, go watch the Broncos win or lose or whatever. It really doesn't matter. Hopefully see Phil Lindsay and Juwan Winfrey show out. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be even more of a blast because I have my Breck beers. One more note about Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, they also uh, sponsor our event calendar on bsndenver.com. That's where you're going to see all of our events, like the watch party on Saturday, where I expect to see all of you because there is real meaningful college football, and we should be watching that together because it's very meaningful for the buffs, and I, I really do believe that. I really do believe that an Arizona win is important to this conference and therefore important to your Colorado Buffaloes. Hey guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Winester, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Winester is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Winester is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Winester.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. All right. We are moving along now into the second segment. This is going to be a little bit quicker. I kind of rambled in that first segment because it's top 25 release day. And so we need to break down what that means. I wonder, I wonder when the next time the Buffs will be in a preseason top 25 list is. Because they're in an interesting place right now. 
where they have a senior quarterback. They have the second best receiver. And if you want to say the best receiver in the country, I wouldn't argue, but probably consensus second best receiver in the country. They have some big time pieces on defense. Nate Landman, who's one of the best defensive players in the conference. Mustafa Johnson, who he's he's something. I love watching him play. I love watching Mustafa because he doesn't look like a guy who should be able to put up the numbers he puts up. It's it's really something. But they, they have all these guys, and they're all guys who could be gone. I mean, Montez and Levis Chenault are gone after this season. What, that, that means it's going to be very tough for the voters to put the Colorado in the top 25, even if they do go on a tear this season. And if they do, then Mustafa Johnson, Nate Landman, probably probably out of here. It's kind of interesting to look. And then you're just kind of projecting, when will they have a quarterback? Which of these guys? I mean, is it next year that one of these guys steps up? Is it going to be, you know, uh, Stenstrom, who shows that he can, he can, you know, I mean, he's he, he's a very talented kid. He just needs to be a gamer. He needs to show that he can be like, you know, Cephalufau, who is garbage in practice, steps up in games. You know, that's that's what you need to see from him. And maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't, and they're waiting for the next guy up. Maybe maybe Stenstrom isn't even the next guy up. We don't really know. And it's it's going to be interesting to see when this program gets to a point where it does gain national respect. It'd be so much easier if Mel Tucker had come in last year and kind of established something so that the voters could project and say, you know what, Montez is going to take a step. LaVisca might take a step. This is a top 25 squad. But with a couple of their big pieces leaving and no real obvious fill-ins to take their spot, it we we really don't know. It could be a while. It isn't like Nebraska where, I mean, last year you could kind of see the hype building where you could say, hey, this is the first year going back to this offense. Next year, the guys are going to really understand it. The coaching staff is going to understand who understands it, who they can put out on the field. Adrian Martinez will be in his second season, so he'll probably take a step. And so you could kind of see where that hype is coming from. With Colorado, you're not quite in that situation because there is no returning quarterback. You're losing the best player in the Pac-12. And and that's... I think that's kind of just a fact that he is the best player in the Pac-12. Like, sure, he's not a quarterback, so he's not going to get drafted as high as Justin Herbert, probably. But who would you take instead of LaVisca Chenault in terms of just true talent? So, I don't know. Just kind of interesting to think about. This is a this is a program that isn't going to run off of hype. They aren't just going to hear how great they are and be able to carry that in. They need to be motivated from the inside. You know, they need to say, we are this good and prove it throughout the season if they want to show up in rankings, if they want to show up, you know, uh, in like future rankings as well. You know, this they, they aren't going to get love from the outside. They need to prove it themselves, which I, I don't think that's something that Mel Tucker would be upset about. I think that that's something that he would like. Um, a couple of notes from Saturday's scrimmage. And I know that that's kind of a weird tra- transition, but I promise that it makes a little more sense. But, but on Saturday, I was talking to Tony Brown, and I asked him, you know, is there anybody who really impressed you today? 
one of my favorite questions because it's how we get to hear hype about guys, hear who we should really be talking about. He had a name that we've heard before, Vontae Chenault. He he said he's super talented. He's you know he's fast. He's strong. He's physical. He knows what he's doing. I asked him like, why won't he see the field? Why why won't he crack this rotation this season? And he said he he just needs to learn the mentality. Like he's coming from high school football. He's a true freshman. Obviously, Lavisca Chenault's little brother, more highly touted recruit than Lavisca. Interesting. Probably means nothing, but it's what's out there. Vontae's a guy who there could be some hype building around. You know, he could be a guy that a year or two from now, outsiders say, oh, wow, Chenault, I know that name. Oh, high, high, more highly touted recruit, getting hype from within the program, uh, making a couple plays probably, whether that's in special teams, whether that's actually on offense this season. He's a guy that I think could help carry the buffs to a, a preseason top 25 list in a couple years, you know, after the program has some time to fill out with Mel Tucker guys. I always think that's interesting, but I did ask Tony, like, why won't he break out this year? He said because he doesn't have the mentality yet. And I know that that sounds kind of harsh, like, oh, he doesn't get it. Like, But, but what he's saying is he's an 18-year-old kid who's been playing high school football against 16, 17, 18-year-old kids where he can just go out there and run and the quarterback's going to, well, quarterback might not get the ball to him, but he's going to try his best. He doesn't need to understand all these schemes and all these strategies, these little techniques, because the talent difference between a guy like Vontae Chenault and whoever he's facing off against is so massive. And he just needs to learn what it's like to play against. I mean, these aren't adults, but they're kind of adults. I mean, they're, they're 18 to 22, 23, you know? And so it just takes time to adjust to playing against guys who are smart and crafty and can get their hands on you, push you around all these little techniques that he hasn't had to deal with. And so that's just what we're waiting for is him to figure out how to handle a college cornerback. And once he does that, I think that there could be some really big things coming. Um, that's actually going to do it for the second segment. But we do have some interesting things coming in the third that I'm really excited to talk about. Got a great question. Um, but first, I'm excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it, CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we could not recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. All right, moving along now, we got a question that ties in perfectly with something that I wanted to talk about on the podcast today, and so we saved it for the third segment. Question comes in from Michael Harrison, said, Hey, Henry, love the show with Matt. That dude had me ready to run through a brick wall if he asked. Awesome motivator. Seriously, like, that's what he is. He's a motivator. Obviously, he knows, like, the technique and, like, how to build strength and all this kind of stuff, too. He knows football, and that's why he's so successful training athletes, because he's the motivator, but he also gets the other side of stuff. And 
I really hope both those things come through when he's on the show. We're going to have him on again soon, I promise. We just have to figure out a time because he has some great insights. Um, Moving on with the comment. I had a couple of things that I would love to hear on the pod. As the season gets closer, will you be doing any kind of positional breakdown? We've heard the big names and some new standouts, but I'd like to hear and learn more about players at each position. Yes. And I'm still trying to figure out exactly how we're going to do that or when we're going to do that. I mean, actually, it might be like a video thing. I'll probably definitely have like a written thing before the season starts. But on the podcast, it, it would not hurt to start going day by day through each position. I've kind of been holding off until we get a depth chart out of this uh football program so that we kind of know what they see because you know if I come out and say here's what I see from the running backs I really think it's going to work like this you know Alex Mangum or Alex Fontenot and Jaron Mangum kind of leading the way with Jarek Broussard as that receiving back and then you see one of those guys is way down the depth chart then that's something you have to come back to and reevaluate and say, okay, so this is not true. We have to redo this whole thing. So it'd be nice to kind of see what exactly the program is thinking because it's easy to project, you know, if Jarek Broussard is the number two back, I know why. It's because he's incredibly quick. He provides something that no other running back on this roster provides. He's a he's solid in pass protection, at least based on what I've heard. I haven't seen that as much. And he's a great receiving back. And so that kind of makes sense. And if he's way down the list, then we know why. But we just don't know where everybody stacks up at this point. Once we get their list, then it's really easy to project what... Not easy, that's a stretch. It's much easier to project what that group will be looking like, what that rotation will look like. So, yes, we will be digging into every position because that's the goal here. Make you guys the smartest fans of Colorado Buffalo's football and basketball once we get into that. I'm not really sure when we're going to start doing basketball stuff. I want to start doing uh, once, once the school year starts, we're going to do, I think this was one of your guys's ideas even, but like some sort of weekly breakdown of what's going on around buff sports, because it is important that we pay attention to that. It's so easy to judge an athletic department based on how their football and basketball teams perform or even just their football team. But there is a lot more that goes into it. And you know, if you say, taking 500,000 bucks from the football team and giving it to the soccer program is dumb because you know the football team brings in more revenue so they should invest in that like that's a take you can have feel free or you can go the other way and say you know what these are college athletes they deserve a, a, some proportional support all this kind of stuff that's fine too but the truth is somebody is making the decisions what to do with that m money and we can't just say oh we're only caring about these two things when we gauge how Rick George is doing. We need to look around and say, okay, he, he decided we're going to spend more money on this program and it's paying off. Give him some respect, you know? So I do think it's important for a bunch of reasons. And first of all, and also because like those kids deserve the attention as well because they're putting in some hard work. So yeah, we're going to do that kind of stuff. We're going to get some basketball. I don't even know how I got here, but, but, but yes, the point is, we will be talking about other positions on uh, and how they all stack up as we get close because we are 11 days. I think it's 11 days away from the Rocky Mountain Showdown, which means we could do an offensive and defensive position every day if we started today, but we didn't. So we're going we're gonna to scramble. 
Moving along with the comment, that was a bit of a rant. Uh, secondly, I love how you broke down the star position a while back, something I'd never heard of before. The X's and O's of football can get complicated, and I would love to hear more breakdowns of those kinds of things, or maybe film rooms. Love the content as always. Keep up the great work. Sco Buffs. So glad you said that, because there was something else I wanted to break down. I'm not sure... This might even be like breaking news. I guess I wrote it earlier. I couldn't find anything about it. It isn't a huge surprise. So like you said, the star position, hybrid outside linebacker, cornerback, slot cornerback, maybe a little safety thrown in there too. It's interesting stuff. It's a position that the buffs have used in the past and they've used it differently. Now it's more of a cover role. I talked a lot about Davion, or with Davion Taylor about this too. So if you subscribe to bsendeavor.com, check out that story. Uh, lots of interesting stuff I thought in there about how the star position has changed in this defense. And we're going to get into that a little bit here. I'm not just going to keep that away from non-subscribers. But uh, another interesting note is that he's also working at the money position, which is interesting that is not a position that the buffs have used in the past that like the star position is a brainchild of bill belichick and nick saban uh and for the same reason that they started using the star position they began to use the money position so the star is basically like i said hybrid outside linebacker and cornerback so he'll he'll go out there and play in the slot they'll use him as a pass rusher they'll it's, it's basically a way to get into a nickel formation using a fifth defensive back without losing as much tackling ability uh, by, by dropping that linebacker. You know, so instead of bringing on like a fifth defensive back, it's almost like bringing on a fourth and a half, fifth, four and a half uh, defensive back. So, so the dollar or money, they use a dollar sign to show it in positional diagrams um is a sixth defensive back in theory so your star is the fifth dollar or the money is the is the sixth he comes in in place of an inside linebacker and he's more of a hybrid safety linebacker and it's the same concept it gives you better cover skills there it gives you more speed there um, I mean, you can imagine if that's Davion Taylor instead of John Van Deest, just compare like the different strengths of those two have. John, D John Van Deest, better in run defense, bigger, not going to have as many tackles broken. Davion Taylor, faster, better cover skills. Um, and so you have more of that. And he might be lining up on a tight end. He might be lining up on a running back from the inside. Let's him play more physically. I don't know that we've heard that Mel Tucker is bringing over that money position. This might be uh, the first that Buffs fans have had a chance to hear this. I took like a quick five-minute look and couldn't find anything, though, so maybe somebody had it. Interesting, like I said, and the point of calling it the money. So, I mean, this is something that NFL teams do all the time. Other college teams do this all the time. It's the terminology that's different. It was Bill Belichick who said, why are we calling this nickel cornerback and nickel cornerback and and when he's kind of this other thing too because it it doesn't really explain the responsibilities you know because you have your your free safety your strong safety your nickel cornerback and and this guy doesn't really fit into one of those roles and so you're teaching a guy to 
learn a new job without really giving that job a name that makes sense. And so he decided to name it and he called it star and money so that your hybrid safety linebacker, you know, that Tyron Matthew Derwin James type isn't just that guy that we say, Oh, I guess he's like a dime, you know, it's he, he is the money. And so it lets everybody know what exactly position they're using. And that's the concept behind it. So Interesting stuff there, and it changes the conversation we've been having about Makai Blackman and Davion Taylor. So Makai Blackman, uh, he's a junior. He's an undersized cornerback. He's 160 pounds. He's been sticky as hell so far in camp. Nobody's been able to get separation. And so we kind of thought he's he has been working at the star that he might be winning that position from Davion Taylor. I don't know that that's true. I think Davion still probably has a lead. Makai Blackman probably is going to be starting outside. As at cornerback instead of at star, although he has worked at both. Here's where things get interesting, though. Now that we know that this dollar position is something that the buffs are using, Davion Taylor is the perfect fit there. And he told me that. He said that he likes playing there better. He had some other interesting stuff, like he's been working with the safeties this season instead of with the outside linebackers, working on those cover skills. And he had a lot of interesting things to say about what that development has been like, how he's worked on the cover skills. And he admitted that that's something that he was not good at doing. He was not good in coverage. And so he's worked on it. And it sounds like from him and Mel Tucker said about a week ago that he's seen more from Davion Taylor, that that is improving. He also said he wants to be in the box. He wants to be in that dollar position. So here's one idea of how this could play out. I would not be surprised if... Your outside corners are Delrick Abrams and Makai Blackman. Your star is Davion Taylor. But then when the Buffs need another defensive back, Davion Taylor becomes your money, moves to that linebacker spot. Makai Blackman moves to that star spot, and they bring in another cornerback. I think I think that that is probably the most natural fit for all these players. But like we've said, they're going to be super deep using a bunch of different uh, defensive backs. He says Mel Tucker says he wants five or six out there every play, which makes sense because they're starting the star, which is your fifth. They'll go dollar, which is the six, or money, which is their sixth. I gotta stop saying dollar. Um, interesting stuff. I really I really loved hearing that from Davion couple more notes something we've talked about on the podcast is katie nixon as a slot receiver because i mean honestly mostly because he's like five foot seven and that just makes sense for him to be a slot receiver because little guys are traditionally slots i asked davion taylor who has given you trouble who have you had trouble covering in the slot and he said dimitri stanley Not a surprise at all. That's the kind of guy that you would expect a guy like Davion Taylor. Davion Taylor, 220 pounds. He's a big dude. He's more of a linebacker. He can't stick with those little receivers. He says he's improving. He's figured out how to get his hands on him, slow him down so that he can stick with him through the break instead of just like watching them fly by and then trying to outrun them to the spot where the ball is. So... It isn't a surprise that Dimitri Stanley's giving him problems because he is just your traditional little shifty slot guy. But I said, who else have you been working with or against in the slot? And he said, uh, Curtis Shiverini and uh, Jalen Jackson, which is interesting because then he said, I don't work outside against guys like Katie Nixon 
and LaVisca Chenault. So, sounds like KD has not been working in the slot, which, I mean, he's, he's a deep threat. Who knows if he can be a deep threat in the NFL, if he has that kind of speed, but in the Pac-12, he's fast enough to get open deep. He's a good number two receiver. I've compared him to Emmanuel Sanders a lot. I really like that comparison. So, keep that in mind. Sounds like Dimitri Stanley's the slot guy. Sounds like Katie Nixon and LaVisca Chenault are going to be outside. No surprises there. Uh, one more note. I had a quick conversation with Tim Lanott while I was waiting for Mel Tucker to go to the podium on Saturday. Tim was saying that... So, Tim and Colby Purcell have been going back and forth between guard and center, trying to figure out who fits better where. where. Uh, sounds like Tim switched back to center recently. And we're kind of at the end of the switching. And this was the timeline that Chris Kapilovic, the offensive line coach, told me would be when they would make a decision. Kind of after this scrimmage, uh, they would let everybody know where they're going to be and start game planning for Colorado State and Nebraska and Air Force. So I would guess that Tim Lenot's going to stick at center with Colby Purcell at guard. Still could change, but that's my read on the situation. I think that's everything I have for you guys today. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, thanks for making me part of your day. Before we go, I got to tell you about the promo code SKOBUFFS, S-K-O-B-U-F-F-S, to get you $10 off a subscription to bsendeavor.com. Makes it $34.99 for the year. You also get a free shirt. And with that subscription, you get the access to everything that we write about the buffs. You have the exclusive right to comment on these podcasts and have your comment read on the show, whether you have something to say, whether you have something to ask and you want me or me and Andre or me and Matt or me and Ryan or whoever to talk about. Uh, and that's pretty cool. So you should do it. Uh, if you have any comments for today for me to read on tomorrow's show, Leave them uh, on the post on bsendeavor.com where this podcast is. And it'll be called something like Breaking Down the Top 25, Preseason Top 25. So click on that, scroll down to the bottom, leave a comment. I'll read it on tomorrow's show. That's all I have for you guys tonight or today, whatever. Uh, see you tomorrow. Bye, guys. I think they like my Colorado sway. And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh -huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey, hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it. Get in the 
middle of the ring. Throwing blows, knocking down team after team. They like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag. Have you ever seen a ram? Nine bow to Colorado. Buffalo is what I am. All the teams come and follow. When I start, hit the field. See a frozen crowd swallow. Cause they know I'm about to kill. He gon' feel that tomorrow. Whole team full of warriors. Got me feeling tribal. Big 12, here we come. We ain't worried about arrival. If you want it, come and get it. We'll wait for your arrival. When you hit this frozen field, man, it's all about survival. Why you make it, why you make it? Yeah, you better bring your Bible. Great big blind side, flat line, no revival. Get them bucks, get them bucks. Mess them up, we say we got them. If we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we have them. like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it, play.